out there. I'm Pat Polly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Artbeat Northwest. Every week, we interview someone from the visual arts or the performing arts, and this week, Dr. Heather Taylor Zimmerman is here to talk with us. Now, Heather has a BA in art history, an MA in archetypal psychology, and a PhD in art as transformative psychological practice. She is working now with the transformative potential of art. Also an artist, her paintings and murals grace hospitals, clinics, museums, and private collections. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So happy you could come by and talk with us. Before we get started with the interview, though, let's talk about some art shows going on here locally that you won't want to miss. And at BAM is, that's Bellevue Arts Museum, is the art of Robert Williams. He calls himself the father of exponential imagination. Now, this is a huge show, lots of large oil paintings. Not what you would expect, though. He is a very controversial artist, but all of his paintings seem to have a message. And I just enjoyed, especially not only the paintings, but reading all of the explanations at the side of the paintings. He is a very thinking artist. And although this might not be the kind of art you want on your walls, it's just so interesting to look at. He's got 40 recent oil paintings, plus two major sculptures. This show coincides with the publication of a major new monograph on Williams, and it's just called Robert Williams. And it's published by Fantagraphics Books, which is a local publisher right here in Georgetown. And they have published so many books. It's amazing. But what's really amazing is that this big BAM exhibit has a book for it published by Fantagraphics Books. And at Seattle Art Museum, the big exhibit there has a book published by it, by Fantagraphic Books, about it. Now, at Seattle Art Museum, the flesh and blood is the title of the exhibit. And this is paintings from the Capodimonte Museum in Naples. And it's very interesting that we even have this because the Capodimonte collection only opened to the public in 1957. So it hasn't been public for that long. And the fact that they were willing to lend all of these wonderful Renaissance and Baroque paintings to the Seattle Art Museum, they had to probably do a lot of talking to get that in there. Anyway, I really enjoyed seeing this show, and I would suggest that everybody go see it. It is a lot of really interesting paintings, very large, a little controversial, I would say, uh, very interesting paintings. There is one of special interest. It's by a woman artist, Artemisia Gentilici, and she was, of course, not accepted very well by the painters of the day because, of course, she's a woman. And there's a local artist, Gina Siciliano, who saw all of these paintings at uh, the Capodimonte Museum in Naples. And she was so taken by some of the paintings that she actually wrote a book about the artist, Artemisia. And the book has recently been published by Fantagraphics Books. And it is so wonderful. It's called I Know Who I Am, The Life and Times of Artemisia Gentilici. And what a book it is. Detailed sketching reminiscent of Leonardo da Vinci's 
crosshatch sketchings, and a gripping storyline. It's available at the Seattle Art Museum store. Actually, they were sold out when I first went there, and then I went back and got one. I couldn't resist buying it. Anyway, so you want to go see both of those shows and, of course, buy both of those books. So Bellevue Arts Museum, Robert Williams, really great show. And then Seattle Art Museum, another really great show. We'll be back shortly with more of Artbeat Northwest. Stay tuned on KKW 1150. Support for Artbeat Northwest with Pat Polly comes from Pratt Fine Arts Center, offering year-round classes for youth, teens, and adults. Located in the central area, Pratt is the only facility in the Northwest where absolute beginners and established professional artists work side-by-side, creating art in glass, metal, stone, and wood sculpture, jewelry and metal smithing, painting, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. Learn more and register for classes at Pratt.org. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. Dr. Heather... Taylor Zimmerman is here to talk with us. And Heather, you are focusing on the transformative potential of art. Transformative potential of art. What is that? Why don't you talk about what that is and why you're interested in it? Thank you. Julia Cameron in her book said that all art is alchemical and alchemy is transformation. And even when I did murals for hospitals and clinics, it was really healing art. It was about the transformation that comes from art, not only making it, but looking at it. And so as I have evolved in my own practice with art from an art history degree, creating art, What has stuck with me is this potential that I think is largely forgotten in the modern era of how art can transform us, how it can touch us. And they know in studies that art works with the unconscious, it works with symbols, and it particularly is able to go into the deepest wounded parts of ourself where words can't go and where conscious thought can't go. And so that's the foundation of things like art-based research and art therapy is that ability of art to reach into the unconscious. And from my own experience and witnessing now lots of other people, that's what I find powerful. And I had my own experience that brought me into that. Um, Before I went on my doctoral dissertation, which was a walkabout, I was called into it. And vocation is soul's calling. And I had an experience that to me, was a soul's calling. I heard an inner voice say, people have forgotten how to learn through art. And so my exploration and my fascination with the transformative potential of art is remembering that forgotten way of learning through art. And it's both a teaching and a healing. And so I've been trying to discover what that means ever since. Now, this walkabout, that's what the Australians say. Where did you go walking about? In my doctoral dissertation, that's my joke. A doctoral dissertation is a bit of a journey, and and it has that and metaphor. It's a walkabout. It's <laughs> okay. a walkabout. Yeah. In fact, uh, my dissertation in particular worked with Carl Jung, and the Red Book that he published in two thousand nine, and so. He used the metaphor of a path, but that's actually really common in art based transformative practice, that it's a journey. It's a hero or heroine's journey into yourself through art. Now, you mentioned Julie Cameron, who Mm -hmm. wrote The Artist's Way. Correct. 
Uh, so do you use some of her teachings in your classes too? I would say that there's a kindred spirit in both. Um, she was a pioneer. Carl Jung before, these are all, um, I have an archetypal psychology degree, which is essentially the patterns that recur through human history. So I would say that Julia Cameron popularized and picked up on a lot of what art-based transformation is about. And so even the right drawing from the right side of the brain to some of those earlier works are definitely woven into my practice. Now, do you think art sort of bypasses the thinking brain at times and expresses something that isn't exactly what we think it will be and brings out things that we don't know are there? I do. So I think the art works through the unconscious. And one of the things I really love about art, I, I like the yes and not either or. And so I'm not against left, you know, what we think of as less left hemispheral knowledge, but the balance between the two. And I know you and I were talking about Leonardo da Vinci earlier before. And Leonardo da Vinci, they speculate, was able to work bihemispherally with both hemispheres for all different reasons. But part of it for me is about using both. So the right hemisphere in art, when you look at a painting, you see it all at once. It's holistic. Mm -hmm. It's imagistic. It's a different way of knowing. And so my hypothesis in my doctoral work and in the transformative practice I'm trying to do now is that we can actualize more of our potential by weaving those two intelligences together. Sounds good. <laughs> now... You are going to get more of into this with your new online platform that is launching soon. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay, so remembering my vocation, which again is soul's calling of people who have forgotten how to learn through art, in response to my trying to answer that question, how do we learn through art? Uh, how do we heal and teach, as Carl Jung, the psychologist, spoke of it? My, my online learning platform is called Learning Through Art. And so it takes us on this metaphoric journey. And I've languaged it as a journey, as a storytelling device, and as a narrative. So we are using art as a mirror to self-reflect and to create, to self-create, to recreate ourselves. And what that looks like is we are going, and I lead you on this, I don't just throw you into the water, but we are going on this journey of self-discovery through art, using journaling and dream work and different activities that are woven in. And the good news is that it's an archetypal process. So it's a process. Carl Jung studied a lot of the preceding or antecedent people, all of those people throughout time, Hildegard of Bingen, Da Vinci, people who really were visionaries and pioneers because they use this practice. And so... It's a time-tested travel. So now, back to the basics. It sounds great. And by the way, I have to tell everybody <laughs> that our group went to Heather's Sanctuary, which she's going to talk about later, and we did a little bit of this. I'm sure we just tested the waters. But it was so great to kind of combine the uh, things you were feeling about with art I had done, you know, art before, but never 
to express feelings, I guess. And um, so I think that learning and transforming with art or through art is really a very wonderful concept uh, and would really lead to a lot of self-growth. And, of course, more more realized life. But um, is... Now, some of these people that take this, are are they going to use it therapeutically as far as teaching other people uh, or, you know, having classes? I mean, if someone takes your program, can they use this as a background to help others? Is that one of the goals? That's a great question, and yes. So it it's built out. Carl Jung used this as his primary therapeutic practice. He taught his so-called advanced patients this therapy. And it was also his primary form of research. So again, it's a healing and a teaching. So he said all of his major ideas came from it. Einstein, different people throughout time, used it as a way to generate ideas. So my idea, the way I have it built out, is it's, it's a number of different processes. Again, metaphor is this journey. So You start out at the trailhead and you embark, and I kind of give you a skill set for undergoing the journey. And then there's coursework that has different certification, and then it culminates with the ability to teach it. And it is, again, a therapeutic practice. So it could be used by an art therapist or a psychologist, a psychoanalyst. So they do get a certification at the end of this, too, which is, you know, I mean, just a piece of paper. But still, people, you know, it's nice to have if you're teaching other students and um, passing on uh, your ideas. What is your, what is your core mission in doing this? My core mission really does come back to that inner experience of people have forgotten how to learn through art. I think that there's a kairos or opportune moment that we have now. Um, One of the things I haven't addressed is this is art, nature, and play. It's the intersection of those three. Um, People like Einstein said that uh, creativity is intelligence, having fun. It's playful. And so... Oh, I like that. Yes. So if you get... You're, if you're having fun and you're being creative, then you might discover something very important. <laughs> yeah, so, so my mission is I really think that this is a transformative experience. I've witnessed it, um, deep transformation in myself and in many others at this point. And so I wholeheartedly believe that. And I, I brought in the nature piece because I think it's equally ecological as psychological. I think that when we can learn to be creative, we can learn to connect with our nature and the natural world, and that that's something that we really urgently need to be able to remember at this time. Now, you said there was a transformation in yourself, and how did you feel you transformed after all of this training and knowledge? Yeah, so it was staged. Interestingly, in my doctoral dissertation, alchemy I mentioned is the connection of heaven and earth or spirit and matter. This is an embodied practice. And so the end of alchemy is a union of opposites, this tension of opposites. And I actually experienced it on my first art 
of my first dissertation piece. And what it did was it took me back to some primary wounding in my own life. Uh, this process is deep. It's not superficial. And it does work with core wounding. That's how we heal. And so I went back to an experience that was traumatic in my life in a very beautiful, graceful way. And through that experience, essentially what I was being told was if I was going to go further on this path, again, the metaphor, I would have to reconcile with some of this core wounding within myself. And so I had one of my most profound experiences, the very first image that I painted and worked through. Wonderful. So it sounds like a wonderful way that people can have more meaningful lives, I guess is what you would say, right? Let's talk a little bit more about your beloved sanctuary because I thought it was such a great place. And uh, the uh, I imagine that you have groups there fairly often and it's usually like corporate groups, right? Or diverse groups. So generally our demographic is actually probably like you or I, women seeking deep transformation. And some of it is corporate groups. Um, some of it can be tailored, like a group can say, we want to come and we'll create or co-create an experience for them. Mm -hmm. And some of it is pre-established. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, I may have something on um, recreating yourself to leverage the new year. So it's, it's all different types of groups. But to your question about the sanctuary, one of the things you guys didn't get to see that is my favorite idiosyncratic thing, it's the sanctuary is a nature and creativity sanctuary with 160 acres. So it has a lot well, of space. We, we did see it coming, you know, <laughs> coming in. We should talk a little bit about that because yeah. it's, such, it's just this wonderful forest with these stone houses. What, just talk about it. It, it. Really, just seeing it, we were very taken with the place. Yeah, so. so it has this fascinating legacy. It was a man who was a self-made um, entrepreneur, and he owned the quarry across the way. And so these stone houses, we joke they're Fred Flintstone houses, but alchemy, you know. Oh, they're has, beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, so it was quarried from the land itself. And it has, one of the best things is right close to Olympia is this pocket of land that actually has a heritage of being a healing space for Native tribes. Tribes used to use the waterways oh, really? to come from all over, and it was a designated space where there was no fighting. Treaties would be established, ceremonies and rituals, and so it has this well-established history of transformation on the land itself. It has all kinds of pathways. It has labyrinths and meditative walks. And the idiosyncratic aspect that I was mentioning before is it has a helipad that we turned into a giant deck, but underneath it is this huge sound chamber. So it's art and creativity. There's ceramics. There's painting. There's all kinds of um, lead engagement through the imagination, but then there's also sound. And in this enormous um, man cave, I don't even know what it was intentionally to begin with, it's maybe 80 by 40 feet, 35 high, and it is like a thonic temple. So the earliest ritual spaces were about sound and elongating sound. 
And this space has about an 8 to 10 or 12 second sound decay. So when you're in it, you sound beautiful, one, which is a healing experience in and of itself. And we call it sound bathing. You can walk in there and do meditative walks in that space because it was tailor-made somehow for sound. And we didn't get to see it. You didn't get to see it. You'll have to come back. And also, it was raining that day. And right. We didn't, we, I think we were going to go on a walk, and we didn't really go because it was raining. Right. <laughs> but it is such a beautiful place. It's forested, but not thickly forested. So you can get around. I suppose that's because of the paths. And then it has all these stone houses. And then there's this wonderful little pond right next to the sanctuary, which is lovely, absolutely lovely. And uh, it's just such a great place to be. And it is already time for a break. We've been here talking with Dr. Heather Taylor Zimmerman on Art Beat Northwest. We'll be right back with more. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Right now, check out Emerge Evolve 2018. Rising talents in kiln glass, showcasing an international array of artists whose cutting-edge work in kiln glass offers new perspectives on the media. This competition at Bullseye Glass in Portland attracted over 280 entries from 29 countries, of which a group of 40 finalists were accepted. The exhibition at Bellevue Arts Museum features work by 10 award winners from the 2018 competition alongside new works from four previous Emerge artists, illustrating the evolution of their practice. The exhibition will be at BAM until July 12, 2020. Get tickets and learn more at BellevueArts.org. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. Dr. Heather Taylor Zimmerman is here to talk with us, and we've been talking about the wonderful uh, sanctuary that they have. And Heather, do you ever have concerts? You talked about this wonderful sound chamber. Do you ever hold concerts in the sound chamber? We do. Yeah, we do hold concerts in the sound chamber. Um, singing bowls, uh, sound in terms of voice. We've had um, Gregorian chanting, um, different kinds of intonation. And we're actually working with my friend Janice Arnold. She and I traded. She's a renowned felter. And she's creating some sound attenuating fabric so that we can, in a way, vacillate how long the sound is held Ah, so we can have... So it'll have even more versatility. More then. versatility, yeah. So that's great. Now, we're talking about this wonderful place uh, that is really makes you feel close to nature. How can art get us closer to nature and the natural world, all of us? So one of the things that Carl Jung spoke about a lot was that art was an initiatory path that brought us to nature from within. So it's connecting our nature to nature. And our nature, of course, is creative. And so, again, Jung, a psychologist, Psyche being soul, looked at how we can study the soul and work with the soul through arts as a way to reclaim our connection to not only nature but creativity. And 
when we are natural, we're healed. And so Jung said that essentially the repression in the modern era of the creative spirit and of art and creativity led to psychosis and to a lot of the different decline of mental faculty, again, like da Vinci, different aspects of creativity and teaching that we'd forgotten. But a lot of the different mental illnesses, you know, now we are in an epidemic of anxiety, depression, fear. And so art is therapy. And so to simply reclaim a creative practice, whether it's journaling, whatever it is, is a form of therapy. And that in and of itself is going to bring us more in harmony with our nature, and that brings us into harmony with the natural world. That sounds great. And I think we all need we all need this approach to art. Now, do you think that it can also help us through our current ecological and humanitarian crisis worldwide? <laughs> you know, I actually do. So I was talking about the Kairos or opportune moment. The publication of the Red Book was 2009, and Jung died in 1965, so a long de- delay. And I think part of that is because we really are in crisis, and some of the translations for crisis are opportunity. That we, that's why I like to language this as a hero's journey. We are in crisis. The hero, you know, is a savior in effect, you know. And so I think that the more people who walk this healing path, and I really do see it as such, the more we will heal together. And if you think of how embedded we are in each other's lives, you know, we're all part of families, communities, that we can really have a powerful transformational effect on those around us as well. That sounds great. And we are almost running out of time. Thanks so much, Heather, for coming in to talk with us. That was a good note to end on. Uh, Now, what is the website to find out more about your programs and your retreats? So the first one is Learning Through Art, T-H-R-U, so www.learningthroughart.com. And like that, transformingthroughart.com. The other one I'll give is BelovedSanctuary.com. And if you interface with any of those, they'll direct you to the others. Okay, and you got to meet Dr. Heather. We just had the best time at her retreat, and uh, these programs will change your thinking and help you live a valid, creative life. And be sure to listen in every Tuesday for Artbeat Northwest and the following Monday at 8.30 a.m. too. I'm your host, Pat Polly, signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great, creative week.